Hey everybody on Eternal Leadership today. I want to we're going to have a just a great conversation with Ron Henry. Ron, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much for opening up for me. Yeah, no, Ron, we what's that? To share a little bit. Share a little bit. Now, Ron, you and I first met, I think it was at Pinnacle Forum at the conference there, correct? In person? That is correct. I think it was the last spring. Last spring. And if anybody's not familiar with Pinnacle Forum, it's P-I-N-N-A-C-L-E. Bill Bright founded it years ago to help pull together people in community. I'm in one that meets every single week for an hour. We actually meet on Zoom, which is uh, we were doing that before everything just broke out because it's so nice to get up in the morning, always be in community. We also get together in person. But it was about how do we equip each other in our faith to bring it out into the marketplace or into that sphere of influence that we're in in the different seven mountains. And how do we put that into action and help each other to do that? It's been absolutely incredible. So in this time, if you're looking for community to be in, to be around a group of like-minded men or like-minded women, uh, the groups are different, I would really encourage you to reach out to me, ask me a question, or Ron, or uh, just Google Pinnacle Forum, and uh, you can get some more information. But here's why I asked Ron on today. Ron is part of Marketplace Chaplains. They do incredible work ministering to people, sharing the love of God, helping people navigate through times of troubles like right now. And Ron, you know, it's not just times like what's happening in our society today. I'm sure like you've had a long career. Ron was just sharing with me 11 years in the music industry. You built uh, executive search firms for 30 years, but you've always been a people person, an encourager, an equipper. Uh, you launch people into their potential. That's as soon as I met you, I'm like, oh man, I, I need to get to know Ron. It, you know, at this stage, this season of your life, you're full time in marketplace chaplains just serving and you're out there. And I'm like, wow, who better to just come on and have a conversation about probably some of the things that are happening we're thinking through. And this isn't a coronavirus episode. There's stuff that happens in our lives constantly. We don't get that promotion. We get a pay cut. We get let go. We have a tragic accident. There's things, sometimes ha things happen in our life or in our world or people in our families or friends where you kind of look at it and go, uh, it's like the book that Dr. Dobson wrote, when God doesn't make sense, right? How do you, how do you think about the, some of these things where maybe it doesn't make sense to us, uh, put it in context, well, because everybody out there knows it's our heart to bring our faith out into the world, to be that ambassador, to be that salt, to be that light. Um, and the only way to do that, though, is to really take care of ourselves, uh, grow in our relationship, grow spiritually. Because here's what I think is going to happen through this whole next, I have no idea how long this is going to play on. And if you're listening to this sometime down the road, when adversity hits, we're, we are never status quo after we go through something. What happens is, depending on how we react, what we do, how we show up, we either improve spiritually, emotionally, physically, whatever, financially even sometimes, or we go backwards. We don't stay the same. And it's, you know, times like this that I think a lot of us are either maybe struggling or you're also maybe the person that's really trying to encourage and equip others because of where you're at. And, and it's real. I think there's a lot of people out there that uh, have some real maybe fear or anxiety 
And I understand that. One of my clients is going to lose his, uh, he owns three restaurants. He doesn't think it's going to survive this if it lasts much longer at all. I mean, it's, it's been his life's work. So, I mean, there are real stuff happening to real people right now that's hard. It's going to be hard to go through. So with that, Ron, I'd love to turn it over to you and maybe just off just top of your head. I know you've been having some, you know, conversations with a lot of different people. Have you noticed any like themes or types of questions that people are consistently bringing to you? Well, I think there's, there's two aspects of what's coming about. Uh, just to, to re- comment a little bit on, you know, John, what you were saying is that when we're under due stress, the real, real person inside of us becomes visible. Mm-hmm. Whether we like, and sometimes it's not a pretty sight. Uh, so those things which we relied on, uh, when they get removed, then what do you got left? But it's interesting as I'm, and I've, I'm in a lot of different groups, people sometimes call me a connector. And it's like I always say, I know a lot of people about a lot of things, but I don't know a lot much about anything. But I listen to people from different areas, and when you start getting, you get a feel of it. And what one of the most encouraging things that I'm getting all around the world, and I was on a call, a uh, European call with business leaders, just this week, is that those who are grounded and know who they are, or at least sense it, have an inner peace that they cannot articulate. They have a peace about it. And then there's the other people who have great anxiety. I don't necessarily say fear, but but anxiety is here, but anxiety. And it's interesting, uh, even myself, last week I woke up with a sore throat. What was the first thought that went to my mind? Oh, no. I got it. I got it. And my, then my wife reminded me, you have a sinus condition, and you wake up every year this time with your sore throat. But it's interesting. When it hits close to home, the real test comes into your life. Real test comes into your life. But one of the things that really embarks where I, it's, it's interesting how God has uh, takes these pause buttons like we're going through right now, and you start looking back in your life. Every one of us was positioned for such a day as today. This was not by accident. We were positioned to have, be prepared for here, but we have to look at it through God's filter, not the world filter for our positioning. I mean, things that, for example, I'm meeting neighbors that I hadn't met before. I'm actually walking around my neighborhood and praying for each buddy. Just when I take the dogs for the walk, instead of listening to my own little thoughts and everything, I'm sitting there praying for my neighbors. I mean, well, and you told me that last time we talked, because I've been going out for a walk every day and everybody's avoiding each other on the sidewalks, right? You're somebody's coming down the sidewalk and you step off into the grass on each side. It's kind of, but as I'm passing people now, because you, I was before just in my own thoughts or listening to a podcast or music and now I'm praying and I got to tell you, it's been really interesting to observe what happens as I'm doing this. Sometimes I'm walking down a whole street and all of a sudden I see a house and I just feel like this need to pray that like there's a reason there's something going on there an unmet need uh, spiritually. I don't know what it is, but I'm just like, Lord, you know what's going on right there. I'm just want to be an intercessor. And I got to tell you, man, it, uh, Ron, just doing that, my walks have just, I can't wait to go out because just those little moments when you know, Hey, God was, God just came in and partnered with me and let me help him. Right. It's not like this is my you know deal. Right. But he let me help him. And I got to tell you, it just, it lifts me up. 
It really does. So thank you well, for that. That was that's a great idea that people can go do too right well, now. Well, I mean, if, if, when people say, "What can I do? What can I do?" <laughs> you know, you know, we're not going to deliver. You know, a million. Uh, you know, mass. That that's not our call in life. We're not flying the airplane to do that. But we're we're at position. See, to me, life is this a strategy I always I use in my executive search work and everything else. Are you positioned to be invited by God to join Him in what He's doing? Do we take inventory of who we are, where we are, and do we have the capacity to understand, to see, resilient? I mean, I always use the analogy of positioning is, I mean, I'm six feet tall and can't jump. Well, if I thought to myself, I want to be a center on a basketball team, how many basketball teams would draft me to play with them? Not many, unless well, they want to the, lose every you know, game. Maybe the local middle school, but you, you might be a little school, too old. Yeah, then they're going to look at the gray hair and say, I'm, I'm not really an eighth grader anymore. So the idea is understand, you know, and, and it's so easy to grasp if you take the time. I always say learn from the past, prepare for tomorrow, but live today. We can't live any other day than today. But there's such a great history. So I look at the standpoint, this, this, the whole virus thing and you know, what's going on. God has done a great pause button in our lives. And he's giving us just a chime. I mean, it's like the old joke where this guy's sitting on a sofa and there's no more sports. And all of a sudden he realizes a strange woman sitting next to him. And he realized it was his wife. So the idea, the idea is <laughs> all of a sudden you're discovering things. Um, sure, there's internal strife pushing a family back together in the home. But I've heard from a lot of marriage counselors that marriages have been being restored because they've been forced because all the distractions have been removed. They're sitting there facing each other. So understanding where we're at is so important. But the other thing is the key is relationships. You know, the advent of the Pinnacle Forum and there's many other platforms, but it is, and even the root, uh, Forbes magazine about seven years ago did a survey in the workforce. And they said that 70% of people in the workforce today do not have a trusted relationship they can go to in a time of need. 70, and I, I think that's probably conservative. Mm-hmm. And the idea is, is this, you're going through, I think, well, I'm part of a, I'm going to a church and we have that. Well, you're going to talk to that pastor or some of those people you don't really know, but know about and be really transparent. Is that a trusted relationship? And those people say, what about my spouse? Well, maybe it's a marriage issue that you're struggling with. So the idea of having peer peer relationships is so critical, and that's the root of why uh, marketplace chaplains and their proactive, confidential, professional care services is just exploding because people need someone they can talk to. And as you said, John, yeah, we're going through, you know, yes, the coronavirus situation is huge. It's on everyone's mind, but life has issues every day. There's things happening. You know, you have a child has a challenge here. You have an accident here, a sickness there. Your father, father has cancer. What life is not easy. And if you bottle it up inside of you, it's just like you said about when you walk with John experience and when you're praying as you're walking around. When you're thinking outside and serving others, which is what we're called to do. All of a sudden, it minimizes those things in your heart because the enemy does a great job of if you keep everything in your head of making it so bad. But once you talk about it, I mean, it's it's amazing freedom. So 
you know, that's what, what's what, you know, right now, for example, I mean, we have 1,700 part-time chaplains serving over 1,200 companies around the United States. We're still working, but we, with the advent of amazing miracle that God created called technology, we're able to provide care services uh, to employees via the phone, texting, emailing, or, or we, just had, we just show up in, in the parking lot of a senior's living home and pray for them. Write placard signs, write chalk on the things, just to give encouragement so that people see a smiling face and so forth. So that's how powerful each one of us can actually be in the position where God has us right now. And uh, I just can't, I can't encourage people more. If you want to feel better about yourself, it's not going to dissipate or get rid of the issues that you're having trouble paying your bills, you don't know where you're going to be work, but you'll feel better about yourself. I used to always say that in the area of uh, what the, the power of the negative influence of fear, and I'll give this quite sidebar uh, illustration, but you know we always talk about the sweet aroma of Christ. Mm-hmm. And in interviewing, just a practical situation, if you go into an interview at a company, the reason you're there is not to get a job. The reason you're there is to help that hiring authority solve his problem. If you solve his problem, you'll get compensated for it. But the bottom line is, the, so you, when you go into that interview, if you're so focused on self, mm-hmm. what type of a re- connection will you make with that hiring manager? You Where if you go in and I've you been focus that on how manager. can I, yeah. yeah, if you go in focusing on how can I help this guy, or this gal, you will connect. And then people say, well, I had great chemistry with that person. The chemistry was you were intentional about wanting to build a relationship where you're serving the other person. I mean, that's why I like to use the term today, we don't network, we should net serve. Because we're already promised everything as people of faith. God's already said he will provide for if we seek him. The only thing we need to seek in life is God himself, and he will provide for us. So our setting is going into that and focusing. And so what happens is, I I remember this prime example, this one hiring manager had three candidates. Two were in in so-called transition, which is the politically correct word saying you you have an assignment, but you're not getting paid for anything. And the other person was uh, making money. And they all had exactly the same background. Everything, everything on paper was the same. Who did they hire? Nine out of 10 times they hired the one person who was already working. Because the two former people, I like to say, had so much anxiety saying, I need the job, that they smelled. They didn't have the aroma of Christ. They had fear. Fear smells. I used to, when I would run sales teams, Ron, I would call that commission breath. <laughs> I love that. If you come in with commission I, breath, right, because you need I, it. You can, oh, yeah, it's not I mine. Can use I, it? Okay, I like that. That's another one. I love it. By the way, anything that I ever come up, people are like, you have all these witty sayings. It's like, no, none of them are mine, I don't think. I just hear things and repeat them. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. It's about, like, why are you showing up? But I want to go back to something you said that I think is really important to for folks. Because you, you said one of the things that you've observed, Ron, are people that are grounded and they know who they are, which really speaks to me about identity. Um, have this inner peace. And I think right now a lot of people are probably not experiencing inner peace. And I think these two elements here are really important. So 
When you say grounded, what kind of grounded is that, Ron? Well, that's a, a good question, and I, and I like you asking that question because I think when we communicate, we're in the business communicating, we sometimes need to take the moment to define our words mm-hmm. because so many words can connote many different images. Uh, ground, grounded to me is where your eyes are focused. What, where, not so much where you're standing, but where your eyes are focused. And what I'm finding is that the proliferation of people, I mean, uh, what was it, the, uh, some American Society of Publishers, Christian Publishers, said the number of Bibles being sold today has been exponential the last few weeks. The virtual church audience, I think I mentioned before, Saddleback Church and in, in Pastor Rick Warren's church, they have tracked now that on a Sunday service, over 200,000 people are watching them virtually. And I found that with churches here where I live in Franklin, Tennessee today, that the churches are tracking it. They're finding it's double or triple number of people. So grounded means, so they're seeking out that. And I think once they, then you get the words of encouragement because they're focusing on what is God's plan because they realize they don't have the answer. So groundedness is seeking for someone who does have the answer. And if you're seeking after God, I mean, I've seen a number of people who I might proclaim are not, uh, I would not have said we're strong believers, you know, historically speaking. And they come up, they share to me, Ron, I don't get it. I just have a peace that I've never felt before. And I think that's that supernatural blessing of grace that God gives us because how much he loves us. And he's in it so much. He always is, but he's, even today, he's in every little part of our life that these people are being supernaturally sense of peace. So it's not an exercise to get peace. It's a relational thing that when everything's stripped away, we have the chance to receive the peace. And so I, I mean, I would not have probably made that conclusion, you know, three months ago. But it seems it's just, I just, it, it astounds me. People who, who are saying, I've never felt such a peace before in my life. I don't get it. So, you know, really focusing on God, you know, where your eyes are, right, your attention and somebody said to me recently, you know, did it ever occur to you that nothing occurs to God, right? This is yeah. not a surprise to him. And he also knows us intimately. That's one thing that when I had my accident and was in God's presence and I understand in, in immediately what his nature was. And for me, it was transformative because I kind of saw him as the, you know, military guy, right? Like the commanding general up on the hill. He's got your best interest at heart. He's kind of you know, laid out all the uh, the rules and guidelines and things to live a good life. Uh, but you don't really go up to him. I didn't feel like I was the guy that go up to him and say, "Man, I'm really struggling here. I need a hug." Right? You don't you don't go to the general and do that typically. But in the moment that I was in God's presence, Ron, the love that I felt was so powerful, so pure. It was almost like this was the fabric of the universe, and I got to touch it. And I remember it because I, I had had my body crushed in an accident from my chest all the way up. My skull was crushed, neck was broken. But when I was in God's presence, I remember the first thought I had that crossed my mind, I remember this vividly, was I am not worthy of somebody loving me like this. And when I realized in that moment that every single thing I'd ever done in my past, good, bad, otherwise, was not even relevant to the relationship that he had with me in today, right now in the present, that he was inviting me into. And to actually realize the God of the universe, 
who's in, does everything in charge of everything, cares about and loves me, John Ramstead personally, changed my life. But also to know that I'm not special because every single person out there he loves equally. And to know that you have a father that cares for you at that level for me gave me as I went through my recovery and, you know, I've lost businesses in the past. Uh, this is different. I, like you said, I'm going through this right now with such a sense of peace because I trust in our relationship and that there is a plan. Even if I can't see it right now, our business has largely completely ground to a halt. But I'm just focused on the present and just, I got to tell you, here's my prayer is that, you know, you look in scripture, what, how God does things. He reveals his will to people. He has big plans, big purposes. And then he invites people to join him in what he's doing, kind of like what you said before. And what I realized was, it was interesting as I was reading the story of Moses, right? This wasn't God's will for Moses. God's will was so much bigger. It was actually freeing an entire nation from captivity. That was his will, and he goes to Moses and says, hey, I need your help, or I want you to help me, right? He doesn't need his help, but hey, I'm inviting you to help me. And what's the first reaction we all have in a lot of those situations? Hey, I'm, I can't speak well. I'm not prepared. I'm not your guy. They hate me there. Kind of got kicked out and spent 40 years as a goat herder. If you think about that, right? So I think a lot of times, too, when God shows us that will, that he wants us to join him in too. There's, we're going to have some of that inner turmoil, a crisis of faith, but it's really about stepping out and trusting what God is doing, even if we might not see all of it, because we probably won't and understand it. And I kind of feel like I'm in that place right now that I honestly feel a sense of excitement about what's next, because I believe that God is moving big time and he's inviting all of us to join him in something that I don't know exactly what it is yet, but anyway, that's kind of how I'm, I guess, walking through what's happening in our life right now. Well, I, I would concur with you, John, in that thought process. I mean, I, by the way, just an aside, uh, even though the people who may listen to this, our discussion a little later in life, the day we're taping this is Maud Day. Maud, was it Maudie Thursday? Right, yep. And uh, when you know, the Passover meal and where Jesus washes the feet of the disciples and humbles himself to such a point in that culture. It's, it's sort of, to me, very symbolic uh, where we are today. But I think that this is where I, that's where I get confused a lot. I, I love your, your reference to Moses because, you know, we get caught up, and this is the I thing versus, you know, uh, you know versus fully surrender. Yeah. Moses was called to do this. No, Moses was invited to join God in this plan. It's very different. It's actually that perspective. God led me to that story to actually change how I was even praying, Ron. Yeah. And here's the difference. Instead of praying, God, what's your will for my life? Like I want my calling, my assignment, my direction so I can move forward. I realized that's not the relationship he has with me. His plans are so much bigger and he's equipping me. He's designed me. He's like, he's, you know, he's prepared works for me to do that are part of his kingdom work, which are huge. And so my prayer, instead of saying, what's your will for me? It's, hey, what's your will? Please reveal that to me so that I can do what I, like you talk about, you encourage, you equip, you launch people. God is constantly there as my mentor, my father, my friend, my discipler, 
to equip me to step into whatever's next. And when I respond to that, right, and he helps build my skills, he helps build my character, then he can trust me with, you know, a little bit bigger jobs and maybe a little bit different assignment or work with different kind of people as he grows me, I should say. Well, yeah, I think, and the other point is, there's not one assignment that he will invite us into that we are truly qualified for at the end of the day. If we think we're qualified, then we're not hearing what that invitation <laughs> really is. Yeah. So it's an act of obedience. It's an act of obedience to respond to the unknown. I mean, just a quick aside, my wife and I um, just recently spent 40 years of marriage, but three years ago, yeah, three years ago, about this time, after, you know, we've been living in Southern California in Orange County, raised our children there, lived in the same home for 26 years. And my wife would joke and say, I want to go move to Nashville from Orange County. And why? Well, I love the people and I like music. And I'm being the rational guy on, you know, husband saying, and very practical is that I don't get it. All my relational equity is here. It doesn't make any sense. How are we going to do this and do that? Well, the most miraculous thing happened is a friend of mine challenged me and said, and I finally said, God, okay, I'm open to it. I'm open to this, that this is where you're inviting me, but you're going to have to show it to me. And the most miraculous thing happened. So we left, sold the house, left our daughter and grandchildren, left all 90% of all my key relationships, you know, didn't know whether I'd have any clients or any work to do, went to an area where we knew nobody and started life over again as a couple. And what I learned in that obedient section. This is just two years ago, correct? It was two and a half years ago, yeah. yeah. What I learned in that, I mean, I learned so much. I mean, but in obedience, it's almost like when you respond to being, take a, take a picture frame, a large picture frame, and in the middle of it, put a small picture frame. And that small picture frame in the middle of it is obedience. Mm. And then around it, you have squiggly lines. You're going to respond. God's calling you to respond to that little obedience question in the middle. Once you respond, he starts erasing some of the squiggly lines. Because that's faith. And you start seeing peaks of the greater picture of, faith, of what God's plan is for why he invited you to be part of this. And I don't want, I don't want to take up the broadcast, but the lessons I learned were so, I mean, I'm still, I can't, sometimes hard to even articulate them. It's been so profound from resurrecting my marriage, which had grown stale, you know, to understanding, deepening my relationship with Jesus, because I had so many things in where I lived that I identified in as part of my identity. Right. That I, that I, I left them all. So I arrived in a community where I was a nobody. I didn't know anybody and no one knew me. Try doing that when you're 70 years old. And you're still active and working and engaged in the kingdom work. So this I is think you highlight an important principle that I see often hold people back. In my case, right? Praying, hey, God, what's your will for my life? I was always almost in this holding pattern, professionally just feeling discontent, almost kind of stuck on these plateaus because I was waiting for what was next. And it was, I was looking for cl this clarity to move into action. And what you just highlighted is what we need to do. And, and it's this. we got to turn that around because action is actually what begets clarity. And what's become ever since my accident and as I've recovered and we've done what we've been able to build here and our team and our company, 
my prayer every day, we have some long-term goals, right? We have a business plan. The most important thing though is, God, what is that one small step forward that you want me to have today? Who is that person I need to call? I'll guarantee you, everybody out there, as they're listening, there's probably somebody that popped into your head maybe as you're hearing this. Shoot them a text, call them, schedule a Zoom call, whatever it happens to be. You might have one of the most transformational conversations for yourself, or you might be that perfect person that they needed to hear from right now. I had a friend of mine call me yesterday. I haven't heard from him in years, and he's been reaching out. But I got to tell you, it was that conversation that he and I had yesterday that could not have been better timed. It was absolutely a blessing to me because of who he is, what he shared, some of the questions that he asked me. And I was so thankful that he took the time to actually say, I'm going to call John and see if I can serve him. And when I, you know, I, a lot of us are kind of wired to like serve back and try to turn the question back on their person. He would not let me do that because I think he just felt like we needed to have this conversation. And it was awesome. Well, that hits on the point, John, of the, we're, and during this season we're in, right, we're on a pause. And, and what I referenced earlier about inventorying your past when your time and names come up in your life, you go, gee, I haven't talked to Bill in 20 years. But boy, he, he was uh, such a friend 20 years ago. Call him. Reach out to them. Bless him to say that he was an important person in shaping who you are today. We get so busy with activities that we don't inventory the time to appreciate. There's two things that I always live by. In Proverbs, it says, you know, about, you know, we talk about be obedient. God guides our steps. Mm-hmm. Well, if we're not moving, there's no steps. <laughs> we have to be moving, <laughs> you know. So people like say, "Well, gee, I'm looking for a, a new position." Well, great. You can't sit in your chair and open up a can of beer and expect the phone to ring. You know, it doesn't happen that way. You got to be out engaged. The second is God. A lot of people say, "I'm waiting to hear from God." Well, I remember that whole story about um, the lady who the flood came. And I mean, I maybe hear that whole story about this the elder lady with the flood came, and uh, the problem is they, uh, and she was praying for God to save her, to save her, and so they they sent someone to come and drive and pick her up, and she said, "No, I'm God's going to save me." And then some the flood came up, then a boat came, and then a helicopter came, and she ended up dying. And then in heaven, they asked, well, "What?" And she goes to heaven, and goes, "God, why didn't you some save me?" He said, "I did. I tried three times, but you didn't respond." So God works through people. <laughs> God speaks to people in our lives, and, and there's no coincidence. We know that. Everyone, let's be candid. No, there's no thing as coincidence. So the very fact that John and you and I connected a year ago, that's not by accident. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to be something we can create something out of, but it was a connection. It was Created a, a friendship. It's a friendship. It's a relationship. We are designed yeah. for relationships. Yeah. We don't have to make relationships profitable in the worldly sense. Just love on people. And I love the comment you made before, John, about, and I think in all the circles that I've been engaged in, especially the last three weeks in some of these worldwide Zoom calls, every single one of the calls, when it comes down to the end, ends up on love. Unconditional love. Love the flock. That irritable neighbor of yours you can't stand, love him like God loves him. Love the flock. There's nothing more powerful and more meaningful in your life to do that. And we know it, but can we do it? Can we make the choice to do it? 
And the reason most times we can't is we have our own little internal pride that we don't agree with what that might be. But try it. It's an amazing thing. It's all you. What when you start when you want? To, I believe when you when you're starting to get into that posture, you are now looking at life from the stands. You're not caught in it. You're observing it. Yeah, and I think there's just something on my heart. I think maybe somebody out there also needs to hear is when we live, especially in this time, this is almost like a forced Sabbath. And we can, this time is, uh, I see it personally as this, really, it's been an amazing blessing for me to reconnect with my wife. I have all of my kids and my daughter-in-law, everybody's here under the house. We're cooking together. We're playing games. My son, who's 21, who's in college, he's here. He and I sat out at the fire pit out in our backyard, just he and I last night, and had one of the most amazing conversations for almost two hours. That wouldn't happen in normal times because he'd be wow. at a college party right? <laughs> or, you know, he's in a fraternity, he's doing a great job, he's making good decisions, but you know, he's, you know, a college kid. That wouldn't have happened. But here's what I'm thinking, though, it's this uh, notion of forgiveness. And the reason I shared this just popped into my heart, but one of the guys in our Pinnacle Forum said that in this time, there was somebody who had wronged him deeply, hurt him, wounded him, basically, because of the choices this ge other gentleman had made, he lost a company that he had been building for 20 years. And had to, because of what this guy did, had to declare personal bankruptcy. I mean, ruined him professionally. This other guy is actually in jail now. And it has weighed on him his, for, I think he said, 20 years. And the act of forgiving him for this guy, a friend of mine, was probably one of the hardest things that he's ever done. And through this and having the time and reaching out and talking to some other people about it, over the last month, as we've had the time to kind of slow down and reflect, he's now done that. And he said that for him personally, just the act of doing that, which is one of the hardest things that he ever, it's one of those things where God said, that's my, you know, this is where I want you to go. He's like, yeah, no, not, no, I'm not ready. It was transformative for him. And I think also during this time, it doesn't mean you need to go back and be friends and you're going to reconcile and, you know, be buddies and hang out on Zoom every day. But I think that as that weighs on our head, if we can just focus on the greatest commandment, being grounded, right? Loving God with all our heart, seeking and understanding during this time to learn his true nature. And then also seeking, like you said before, right? You said those people that have inner peace know who they are. And I remember once I, I was working with uh, my coach and I said, I got to figure out how I'm wired to figure out what I should do next. He goes, I, he goes, let me challenge you to maybe ask that question differently. He goes, why don't you ask yourself, how did God wire you? Who does he see when he looks at you? And what does he have for you to do next? And I gotta tell you, that might sound subtle, but for me, that was absolutely what I needed to hear to make a shift. And I think if people worked on those two things and love God, seek to really understand who you truly are, not who you think you are that you see in the mirror, um, start to weed out maybe some of those lies that you've accepted as truths about yourself. They've gotten into your identity, into your belief system, into your habits. I have found being in community with men, sharing stuff with my family, being in my pinnacle form, all those things have been incredibly valuable in, in really moving toward that true self. And then love others and focus on others. And I think you know, that framework that you're talking about, Ron, 
sets us up to not only live a life fully alive, like Christ talked about, but to serve others and move through times of adversity like this, you know, as best we can, right? I mean, it's, you know, stuff like this and, you know, there's real stuff happening to people and it's hard. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, uh, but I'm going to say that it's going to be different if you can go through it knowing that, you know, with the hope that there is going to be a, a better future or that there is a reason. And that comes from a lot of trust and a lot of faith. Well said. I should be leading the, this discussion here. Well said, John. <laughs> I think this is one, I want to refer back to other little interesting perspectives. One is the, uh, in the Bible in Genesis and Isaac, uh, there was a famine that came about and God told Isaac to sow seeds generously. Mm. And, and my understanding and my interpretation is not necessarily spent sending money, you know, sowing by being generous and giving away money and so forth, but the plant seeds now, and because of that, you'll have a hundredfold, he had a hundredfold harvest. We are being prepared right today through this time. We have an opportunity to be prepared for this great harvest that's going to be coming up that I truly believe is going to happen. But there's no way, we'll, there's, it, all through the Bible, it's story after story, and when we start, and every time when the Israelites focused away on false idols, God did something that was extremely disruptive. Because that's the only way that we'll change. You know, in the, in, personally, individually, we will not change unless our life is disrupted. You know, thinking of uh, uh, a marriage where all of a sudden, you know, wife goes, I, I don't think we should be married anymore. That's a disruption. That wakens you up. What's going on here? Life is not normal. So, you know, this is why there's such a phenomenal opportunity because this is disruption. Now, the thing about disruption is we don't know what the outcome's going to be. Mm -hmm. We don't know what we're going to be asked to do. We don't know, as, as one person says, we're not going to go into a new season as we transition through this. We're going into a new era. The world will be forever changed from what we're going through now. Just like in everything in the Bible, it looks through. Every famine, everything that happened, the world was changed. And knowing that we can lean that God has this massive plan, as you have referenced so time and time again, I mean, the mere thought that we try to figure it out, I mean, come on. You know, I might as well, you know, drink shots of Jack Daniels here in Tennessee, you know? <laughs> I don't think I get much more sense out of it. But the idea that, that we have this given to us as a gift, this opportunity, so, I mean, I, I think we're ready, and, you know, Marketplace Chaplains now, we're really trying to gear up and be prepared because people are going to coming out, people are becoming more conscious of the needs of other people and their pain and what they're suffering and how they deal with life. So they're going to say, how can I handle this? I, I'm a one business owner all by myself. What can I do? Well, here's an army of professionals who can come in and be part of your theme to give God's love. Or, you know, bring God's love of care, compassion, and grace to individuals in, their, in your company to cement a culture of care. So uh, it's, well, it's... And also to pray with you. Like We've been working with a chaplain since we started our company. It has been, and every single person I have referred who's brought a chaplain on has said it was one of the best business decisions they've ever made 
for their people, for their organization, for all those reasons. And on your website, I was looking up here, it says that right now you guys are, somebody's reaching out to one of the chaplains at market at marketplace chaplains once every four minutes. Now, I don't know if it's maybe even accelerated since then. And so I would just encourage people out there listening, even if you're not the business owner, but you would like to have a chaplain as part of your organization, you know, talk to your, you know, just reach out. It's, it's uh, the website. You can just Google marketplace chaplains, but the link is also M chap USA for marketplace chaplains.com M chap USA.com. And I would encourage you to just have a conversation, uh, especially in a time like this, having somebody that your folks can reach out to, to talk about people that understand business, right? I mean, that's something I love about you guys, Ron. All your chaplains, they understand business. They understand the culture of business. They understand the pressures of, you know, salaries and wages and hiring and firing and logistics and teams and, and difficult people and just all that whole landscape that we are all subject to Monday through Friday. You know, you guys understand the world that we're in, I think, in a different way than a pastor would. And it's so needed right now. So anybody out there listening, regardless of the time, your organization would benefit from having a chaplain. So how do people connect with you, Ron, maybe learn more other than the link? Well, I mean, I, the, it, it relates to marketplace chaplain. There's two areas. If you go on the website and you have, have want more information, you, you, there's a form you can fill out there. And then the result, I will get that information and can call you back directly right on the website. And uh, I mean, I can give out contact information if that's meaningful, but I think going through the channels that way, it makes a lot more sense. I have uh, peers of mine that help out in other regions of the country. So I want to direct it to them. There's somebody else that does something in the Northeast and someone does in the Southeast. So want to direct it. So going through the website, the other area for people to give consideration for, if you're uh, have a heart to care, and want to do something meaningful, we have over 200 openings for uh, part-time chaplains right now in the country. We have grown so fast. Oh, fantastic. We have, we have 1,700 now serving, and we have a need for 200 more, male and females, ethnically diverse, bilingual uh, chaplains right now that serve, and they'll be signed to companies in their community where they basically live. And I mean part-time. We don't. They can work five hours a week. They can work 10 hours a week. And and they're paid hourly plus expenses, but and go through a very extensive training, and they have to be people of faith. Uh, we are a 501c faith-based not-for-profit, so great opportunities there. I mean, I mean, I mean, I just to share something just happened this past year just blew me away. Uh, we are now serving with Chaplain Care, the largest casino and resort in Southern California. Really? Yeah. I mean, you think it's I bet you a, get a lot of calls that we're bringing God's love into a casino. But the fact is, people are people. People are hurting no matter where they may be. And I just want to offer up if you and just continue to pray for, you know, we're in a war as we speak about this because of the virus going on today. We're in a war and the soldiers are not wearing military uniforms, but they're wearing uniforms of health care, uh, essential services. And another area that's huge are truck drivers. Right. They're frontline. They're the ones keeping the supply chain going and they're driving and hotels are shut down. They don't have places to take showers. They don't, they can't even get meals at the meal stop some cases. So 
uh, you know, this is a different, we're in a different era as we evolve here because the war is taking a different look and the soldiers are taking a different look. And so, but I wanted to just encourage everyone also to understand each one of us is a chaplain. Mm. Maybe not a capital C, a small C, but we're called upon each of us to care for others and to be a light for other people in our life. So whatever you are, whoever you are that may hear this, don't ever feel you can't have an impact. I remember, the, remember here, I love biographies. I remember hearing a story of Billy Graham speak about his background. And this lady, he said, probably never knew it, but his third grade teacher gave him an encouraging word that changed the course of his whole life. All she was doing is being a teacher and caring about her kids, but he, she gave an encouraging word that changed his whole life. So you could give an encouraging word, or anybody listening to this can give an encouraging word to somebody just because you love them and care for them like God does. And as a result, can have a profound impact in generations to come. So, Well, what a great way to kind of, I guess, land the plane, so to speak, Ron. Thank you for that. <laughs> So, I mean, just think about, you know, here's what I encourage you guys to do. If you've listened to this all the way to the end, think, think about somebody that needs to hear this message and pass this on to them. Let them know that we're here to help at Eternal Leadership. Ron and his team, Marketplace Chaplains, is there to help. If you want to plug into a group like a Pinnacle Forum, this is a time not to be alone, but to be in community. And if you have that heart to get equipped to serve, uh, actively as a chaplain. I love how you said, hey, we're all chaplains. And But if you want to step into that as a role, man, that sounds like a fantastic, I'm glad you brought that up. So Ron, thank you for what you're doing. Please uh, pass on our love and our gratitude and our deep heartfelt thanks to your entire team for the work, all 1,200, 1,200, 1,700? 1,700, well, actually 1,740, but so who's counting? Yeah, if you get a chance to just thank them because what they're doing is helping all of us get through this time. And you know, and like we said before, right? Life is full of adversity. Right? We're it's we're constantly either I think going into a storm, we're in the middle of the storm or we're coming out of the storm and then it kind of repeats. And so this is not an isolated incident and having somebody alongside of us as we move through life this journey that we're on is just, I know for me personally, it has been absolutely essential. So thank you, Ron. I love you, man. You're awesome. I greatly appreciate it, John. And I I give praise and glory to God that brought us together. So me too. keep, keep marching forward.